1: Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 146. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Catherine Fox. Catherine is a transpersonal psychologist. She's a mom of a two-year-old, a poet, and a truth seeker. You'll hear us talking about leadership, the divine feminine, and if that makes you go "uh," stay tuned because I really like what Catherine had to say and I typically don't associate or don't care for the divine feminine divine masculine that kind of thing but she had a different spin on it so it'll be interesting to hear what you think and we also talked about my favorite self-confidence and self-worth so make sure you stick around and listen to the episode but first if you like this episode or other ordinary to badass episodes I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a five-star rating and review this is so important so other badasses just like you can find the show. And if that's not your jam, then I would be grateful if you just sent it to a friend. If you know of an episode that could resonate with a friend or that you think a friend needs to hear, then just share the episode with them. Typically on your podcast app, there is three dots at the top of the episode and if you click the three dot the three dots, it'll give you an option to share. So either way, do what works for you, but I would be so grateful if you shared the episode. All right, now let's get to the conversation with Catherine. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm so glad you're here. Today's guest is Catherine Fox. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm really honored
1: to be here. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you: do you consider yourself to be ordinary or a badass? <laughs> of course, a badass. Woohoo! <laughs> I love when people just own it.
2: <laughs> have you always felt that way? Uh, you know, I've always walked a very individualistic path I would say I've always been very brave in standing in my own truth even even if that came with you know painful headwinds (laughs) but I never considered myself to be cool and like the word badass in itself is something that I've for a very long time associated with being cool. And I was never really cool, unfortunately. I always wanted to be cool. I was, I was never cool. I was always very deep. I always wanted to get to the core of things. And so um, I've always been passionate about personal growth, about awakening, about becoming really intimate with life. You know, I always, I always wanted to, to go beneath the surface to understand what makes people tick, what makes me tick and um yeah and to, to really uncover who I truly am and this is also something that I'm now passionate to helping others with
1: yeah I love that so with the badassery has it like was there a turning
2: point for it um I mean there were many many situations in my life that that were not easy I would say like my whole like my my whole situation, my childhood, I found, I found not easy to deal with. I, I didn't grow up in a violent family or something like that. But, but I, I never really felt seen, and I never really felt understood. So I kind of felt like a stranger in my own family for a very long time, and it kind of, I think it, it kind of triggered that process of trying to understand how how family dynamics work, how you know why things are the way they are and I also have always had a very strong like spiritual connection not in the sense that I grew up in any religious context really I mean I have been brought up in a Christian context but that has never been really like a lived experience very much but I have always been very spiritual in the sense of that I always felt very connected to something greater and that has also like there were a few turning points where I had some experiences that were very profound for me, and that kind of showed me that I'm held, you know, despite the felt, d- despite the fact that I didn't feel held in my family so much, but I felt held in a greater cosmic context.
1: Do you know where you got that from?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. I, I don't, I don't. I think it, it's a something that I consider now to be born with you know like maybe I don't know whether I'm not really clear whether I believe in past lives or not but I definitely believe that we we don't come as um as how do you say an empty um like not a, a page to be written on you know I feel like our souls have had experiences before and so I felt like you know I have always carried a deeper wisdom in my heart that was always beyond my years i think like when i was 11 for example i started to write poetry and the poetry just came through me in a way you know about topics that i that my 11 year old mind couldn't really grasp um but there was always this Yet i was always able to tap into something um that was beyond my years that was beyond my own knowledge um, a greater wisdom, a higher, higher self, maybe. I don't know.
1: I love that. Yeah. It reminds me of my little brother. For some reason he just had like always just like an old soul. It's like, it's just, yeah. it's like, where does that come from? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. We probably will never know, but you know, it's just the way it is. We are all yeah. unique in our, in yeah. our being. Yeah.
1: So Catherine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. So Okay, where to start? Well, I'm a transpersonal psychologist. (laughs) Not such a big surprise that I went down this road. Um, I'm a passionate truth seeker. I'm working as a coach. I'm a loving mom of a two-year-old. She turned two yesterday. And I am a poet in my heart. I I love to write and um, to speak. And yeah, I assist women in manifesting their highest possibility, so to say, and up-leveling their impact by peeling off the layers of conditioning, you know, cultural conditioning, systemic conditioning, religious conditioning that keeps them hostage to a version of themselves that is not really true to who they are. So it's really about helping women, entrepreneurs, um, leaders to deepen into who they are, beneath all these masks and to really reclaim their power and their sovereignty and their truth so that they can expand and really, you know, create the abundance and impact that they desire.
1: So how can we start to peel back those layers? I know that's a complex question or it's different for everybody, but um, how can somebody start to try to peel those back?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. So I think it starts with self-awareness always. It always starts with becoming aware where we are actually responding out of our autopilot and where we are really free to take a conscious decision. Meaning like um i don't know whether you're aware of viktor frankl he he wrote a very famous book you know man's search for meaning and and he said a very famous quote he said between trigger and response there's a space and in this space we have our freedom to choose our response where we really actually that's the only place where we can really make a conscious des- decision i believe because normally we react very quickly out of our autopilot meaning Something happens, you know, and before we even think about it, before we, you know, um, check in with our values, (laughs) we do something that we have been taught. So uh, we respond out of this automatic operating system. And um, so the first step, I would say, is becoming aware of that, becoming aware of that and saying, okay, you know, slowing down. Is, is one important step in that because slowing down really allows us to become intimate with who we are because that gives us the, a moment to, to breathe and to say, okay, is this really how I want to respond? Is this really true to who I am? Um, is this a response that, is, um, that comes out of this free expression of my soul or is it just um, an automatic, you know, instant reaction? And, um, by doing so, we, I think we learn step by step to, um, to really dig deeper into who we truly are. And to, um, also part of that is also, I think really becoming intimate with our values. What is it that, that I really want to stand for in this life? What is it that I really care about? Because we all have values, but, when we don't reflect about them, we very often um, live values that are not necessarily ours. They might have been, and that doesn't mean that they are bad in any way. You know, they can be perfect, absolutely. But if they are not yours, you know, they will lead you to, to live a life that is not necessarily true to who you are. Meaning, for example, if in your family, um, you know, performance and 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 money is a is a big thing you know and that has been is, is something that is defined as success you will have learned very early to to tap into that and to you know to become a performer to be a high achiever maybe you know if if love has been traded for for performing well you will have learned to do exactly that in order to belong And later on in life, you might follow down this track, you know, just doing, 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 hustling, um, achieving, but you still might feel empty because something just doesn't feel like it is really you, right? And then sometimes it requires a crisis, a burnout or whatever for you to really stop and look at it and say, okay, is this really the life that I want to live? Is this hustling and running and pushing for success really who i am or is there something else you know maybe i'm a completely different person maybe i don't need that kind of outer success to feel fulfilled maybe i'm actually yearning for deep connection for uh for for family you know for having time to to enjoy the nature around me you know so it's really about these things finding out and and doing one step after the other it's a process it's not happening overnight
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it can be easy to start chasing other people's goals or other people's dreams for you or what you think you're supposed to do um, as opposed to what you want to do. How has defining your goals helped you in your life?
2: Well, to be honest, I'm not a very good goal setter. (laughs) I'm not. I'm sorry.
1: Defining your values is what I meant. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Values. Okay. So, for me it has helped me greatly i think um because yeah how do i answer that question how has it helped me it, it's just knowing for what i want to stand in this life you know how, knowing what i really care about what i'm passionate about who i want to be in certain situations it's sometimes helpful to to ask yourself that question you know if i look back as an old woman or man um to this chapter of my life that I'm going through right now, how do I want to have lived through it? How, 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 who, who do I want to have been in this situation? You know, what is the story that I want to tell? And um, that also creates consciousness, you know, in the terms that you really think, or you, you stop and you think, and you know, like, okay, is the way I'm responding to the situation that life throws at me at the moment, really how I want to, respond how i want to look back to and say okay this you know i gave my best i i really was true um to my values in in, in in that yeah um yeah i i don't know whether i answered your question with that
1: yeah so does knowing your values does that help you to be more decisive
2: for sure for sure because um if you have like um a, a clarity about your values it's actually essential to, to take good decisions. For example, you know, like values could be something like one value is connection and the other is growth, for example, right? These are two values that sometimes conflict with each other, right? Um, For example, you want to, you know, you want to uh, develop, you want to go out into the world, you want to um, make experiences to grow uh, to um, to learn new things at the same time you really care about being close, being connected to the people you love. And so if you have no clarity, which one is the more important one, for example, it sometimes, you know, can hold you back because these two values are kind of conflicting within you. And it, it can lead to you feeling really paralyzed and not doing anything, you know, or always feeling guilty, <laughs> meaning <laughs> like whatever you do, it just doesn't feel right. yeah. So just thinking about it and, and also, you know, values, it's such a lofty word in a way, Uh, you know, also the word, like the, like even connection or growth, it's always good to define what it really means for you specifically, you know, what, what uh, connection means to me and, and what I define as connection can be completely different than for you. So again, it's not just taking a list, you know, there are so many lists on the internet of uh, values and you just, you know, circle five and you say, okay, these are my values now. It's not enough. It's really about thinking, okay, wh- what, is, what does this value mean to me? What does it mean for me to live that value? How does this look? How does this experience, like how does this value, this, uh, this value applied look in my relationship, in my job? Um, and also if I live too much of that, you know, all good things if they are, you know, um, taken to the extreme, turn bad. So if, I, if I'm kind of overemphasizing this value, what's the danger in it? You know, what maybe, for example, one of my values is excellence, right? I really, whatever I do, I want to do well. And it's uh, like I care about high quality in my offerings and, and, and what I write, what I do, whatever it is. I'm just very, <laughs> very uh, strong about that now if i if I overdo it i I turn into a perfectionist, and perfectionism just paralyzes me, so I'm not doing anything or I'm just become very, very slow because I think oh, it's just not good enough yet <laughs> you know i'm <laughs> I'm sure you can um relate yes. to that or many of your listeners can relate to that, and so it's good to kind of stop yourself and and say okay i wanna I wanna do my things excellent okay, okay but enough is enough. So now it's really time to get it out. Um, so thinking about that can be very helpful as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I found that it's so easy to get stuck in perfectionism and then that leads to making it hard to take any type of action because you just want it to be so perfect and, you know, stops you from taking any action.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: I know that you, talked a little bit about feeling guilty and we were talking about our values, like just kind of reminded me when it comes to being a mom, do you ever have this mom guilt and oh, yeah. get through it? And also do your values have any part of moving past that?
2: Yeah, I think being a mom um, and being an entrepreneur is like, <laughs> it's like, it, it, it comes with guilt. Yes, of course. And I, you know, what helps me through that, whenever it pops up, is that I really think about who I want to be for her, what kind of role model do I want to be. And so for me, it was very clear. I grew up with a mother, for example, that never really went after what she wanted. So she never really um, self-actualized in any way. And that came with a lot of frustration for her. And she, you know, it was, as children, you feel it. When, you, when your mother is not happy, you know it, you feel it. And it and it actually creates guilt in the child as well, you know, because you feel responsible for your mother not, not being happy. And um, so for me, I always um, was very clear on that, that I, I want to pursue a different path and that I want to, I made a very conscious decision to actually return to my business um, after a couple of months. Yeah. And because she inspired me to as well. Like I, I launched women rising the brand that I'm building, um, when she was six months old. And, um, of course, I made sure she was well taken care of. I also didn't put her into daycare or anything like that. So we had a wonderful babysitter who was coming in our home. And, and, you know, it was also a very privileged situation I was in. And I had, you know, a lot of flexibility to work around her. Um, But for me, it was very clear that I want to show her that, especially as a woman, it's possible to live it both you know to to be a good mom and to be there and to to um take care of a good you know bonding and 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 relationship and at the same time to um to be accomplished to to have an impact in this world
1: I think that's so powerful like I just think a lot of times you know we don't necessarily want to do stuff for ourselves, but it's it's our kids that can propel us. Or if you think like, Oh, this is what I want my kids to see. This is how I want my daughter or my son to grow up and then lead as an example from that way, rather than sacrificing like every single part of you just to raise them. You know, I don't know. I just think it is important to be a role model for what you want your kids to be themselves.
2: Absolutely. And I totally stand behind that. And I also, you know, I, I don't know whether you know, but I do also a lot of, um, Ancestral healing work and uh, systemic healing work with constellation work and stuff like that. And what I have seen over and over is like the unlived life of parents becomes really a paralyzing burden for the children because often they feel like they have to, you know, um, to live for, for for their parents now and to to be a certain way. And I don't want to put anything like that onto her. You know, yeah. I want her to see that being a woman. Um, means that you can have it all. And this is something that I that I believe in and that I fight for, you know? And that yeah, so.
1: Yes, and now is the time for women.
2: <laughs> I think it's a, such an important time for women. And it's really, if I see what is going on now in Afghanistan, which really breaks my heart, seriously, I have had difficulties to sleep the last few days because it really gets to me so deeply. And I feel like, you know, especially here in the West where we have the chance and the freedom to really create a life that we, you know, that, that changes something for others, that, that has an impact, that, um, that shows also that, you know, life can be more than just paying your bills, right? We have almost the responsibility to, to, to take that gift and turn it into something beautiful for ourselves and for others.
1: Yeah, it could be so easy to forget that we have opportunity. Not everybody yeah. in other countries has the same opportunity that we do. Um, so yeah, to take advantage of that, I love that.
2: Yeah, and, and being aware of our privilege because it's a huge privilege. We have so many privileges that we are often not aware of, you know, being white is a huge privilege, you know, being well educated is a huge privilege, There's so many things that we take for granted, and that we are not aware that they in a systemic context make a big difference. And, you know, you help no one by being miserable. So I, I also really believe that it's totally fine to shine your light and to really celebrate the privileges, but also to see the responsibility that comes with them, you know, and to do something, even if it is just a small thing that can better the conditions for others as well. And the kind of, um, yeah, that kind of makes a difference when it comes to all this rank differences and, and privileges that we take for granted.
1: Yeah. I know that you talk a bit about leadership and feminine leadership mm-hmm. and, you know, how that's different than maybe male leadership. Can you expand on that a bit?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So I think, first of all, I need to say that I have been working in the field of leadership development for many years. And so what I've been observing is that especially female leaders and high up position, top executives and so on. What very often happens is that they tap very much into their masculine energy in order to perform well, to be accepted, to belong. So they're very on the one hand they appear to be very tough and assertive. but in a way it comes with a the cost. They often lose touch with their vulnerability or they burn themselves out, they just try to run faster than everybody else because they have to prove themselves, and it's quite it's quite sad to watch yeah and i believe there's a different way and i've been observing that as well and witnessing that as well and this feminine leadership that i'm talking about is is built on our feminine strength on our feminine resources meaning and i'm i'm, I'm i want to be clear that when i talk about feminine then i'm speaking about an archetype within us it's an it's an archetypical energy that many people only associate with being soft and gentle and compassionate and loving but feminine can be so much more than that because there's also fierce part to the feminine and when you look into mythology you see that there are many goddesses fierce goddesses dark goddesses you know that Embody um, qualities that we have often forgotten forgotten about, or that we normally associate with the masculine, or that we see as something that is, you know, not really part of our feminine nature. But so the difference is, of course, as a woman, you can also be assertive, you can be fierce, coming from your feminine. The difference is that it's more, it's more connected, it's more um, building on connection, and it's also. Um, very often embedded in a a greater purpose, right? It's not just for you proving yourself, but it's like making a difference, coming from a place of real conviction. Um, And it's also um, about, especially for the entrepreneurs that are listening, it's really about understanding that it's not about um, that success is not made by you hustling more and doing more and, you know, cold calling more and so on. But there's a completely different way of doing business that is building on your magnetism as a woman, that is building on pulling opportunities towards you and not pushing. While I'm. And that has something to do with really aligning with who you are and aligning with your desires and really understanding the energetics behind business and money. And, uh it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, many, many more other coaches are talking about these, uh, these things. And, and I love that because I really believe that more people need to know about that, that there is an easier way, you know, and there, that it's okay to, to, um, to live your pleasure and to, to enjoy life. And also, and while you're being an entrepreneur and um, making a difference for other people you know, and creating some really cool, better stuff in the world. (laughs) Yeah,
1: But I mean, I think that it can go like so much further than that too. Even just no matter what, if you're a mom, you're a leader, you know, like if you're, you're walking through this life in some way or another, even if you're not a mom, you could have like nieces or nephews or somebody, you still have a leadership role in one aspect or another. And you get some decision or some choice over how you go about that role.
2: Absolutely. And I love that you actually point that out because we sometimes forget that leadership has not necessarily something to do with a certain function or authority that is assigned to you or position. Yeah. But it's really an an attitude actually. It's really, um, taking on responsibility and stepping into this capacity of mobilizing people towards greater purpose, because this is what leadership is really all about. It's not, it's not about authority really, um, or a, a certain position, but it's really, can, it can be exercised from any place and any position that you hold. And also moms, of course, are leaders. Actually, they have to be very strong leaders, especially if you have a strong (laughs) child and experience that every day.
1: Yeah. So how can we step into our feminine energy?
2: Um, So again, I I start with the same thing. It starts always, always, always with self-awareness. Starting with, okay, when am I actually in this energy where I push, where I'm in my masculine, where I like try to make things happen and how can i lean a little bit more into this receiving energy into this more you know magnetic part of myself into this um yeah also softer part but not necessarily weak right yeah. so it's not about becoming you know, dependent and, you know, waiting for someone to rescue me, but just, you know, understanding that my softness is actually strength, that there is a, an incredible power in yielding and surrendering. And that means, for example, trusting life. That's a very feminine quality, right? Really trusting life, seeing that life is actually better than I think that there are, you know, Um, energy always follows attention, meaning that what I focus on grows. So when I learn to see what is already there, what is already good, you know, I can start to trust a little more. I can let go a little more of this control that holds on so tight and wants to make things happen. I just, I can share a personal example because I had a very big lesson on that. Um, And that was when, when I, I really struggled with fertility for many years. So when I wanted to become pregnant, you know, I thought I would do what I always do. I just make it happen. It's <laughs> a so very much my masculine energy, right? Because I came from a very high performing, you know, background. And I was like, you know, now I want to become a mom and all, you know, and, Yeah, it didn't work like that. So life taught me very quickly: this is not how you conceive a child. (laughs) You know, you can set certain conditions, but this is not how it works. And um, I, I, I absolutely went crazy because I couldn't understand why it doesn't work. You know, everybody else got pregnant. Why, why am I not getting pregnant? I do everything. You know, I'm taking the right uh, nutrients. I I do this. I do that. I whatever. I, I try to make it happen. Right. Um, and then it became even worse because I became pregnant, but then I lost the baby. Yeah, so it was a very, very deep experience of loss, but also loss of control. You know, understanding I have it's not in my hand. It was such a humbling experience for me. It really brought me onto my knees, and not many things have brought me onto my knees, but that was really one of the worst things for me. You know, and um, I know so many women have to go through that, and I feel for every single one of them. And some maybe take it easy and, and lighter, and others not. But for me, it was terrible, terrible. And I, I really, yeah, I really felt that it was also a very transformative experience for me because that was the moment when I, when I finally understood that not only conceiving doesn't work that way, but life doesn't work that way. Right, and it's really about um, letting go, <laughs> trusting, trusting also the timing of your life, and that is not just true for becoming pregnant, but really understanding that there's a divine timing in everything, and also, um, yeah, really letting go of my ego a little bit, understanding that I'm not the master of the universe at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um. And yeah, and only when I really, really tapped into this place where I really uh, surrendered to that experience, really letting go even of the need to become a mom, I was able to to conceive. And it changed me. It changed me a lot. And then the pregnancy itself, the whole experience of, of being pregnant and giving birth was a profound initiation for me into my feminine energy and into um, a new inner balance of my feminine inner feminine and masculine yeah
1: so losing a child hard like to say the least or unbearable for the mom out there that has lost a child and isn't doesn't know how to get through it um, can you just share like one thing that helped you get through it
2: So first of all, understanding that the pain is real and it's, it's good. It's good to grieve because so many of us, you know, especially when you're in a professional context is like, Oh, you have lost your baby. So, you know, you're kind of expected to just go over that and just return to your job the day after and, and, you know, do what it takes and just, you know, put on a face or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think, it, that's a real shame for our culture because it's, you know, you have been pregnant and it doesn't really matter how long the soul was with you. It has changed you. The moment it has touched you. And I really believe that it has changed you. It has done something with you. It has opened your heart. And if you feel this grief, then allow yourself to grieve. And grieving takes time. Everyone who has lost someone dear knows that, you know, grieving goes through different phases. You go through different emotions. And it requires maybe someone to talk to. I actually also, in that phase of my life, I I um, looked for a therapist and I really talked through that experience and it helped me a lot. And I also realized how it relates to other experiences in my life. And so it was, you know, it can turn into an experience of growth if you let it, like every crisis in our life, right? When we really are willing to look at it, to confront it, to acknowledge it, and to acknowledge what is, because you know, resisting the experience doesn't help either. You know, if the baby or whoever is gone, he, he is gone. But at the same time, we we can grow from it, from whatever we we go through in life. I I, I really believe that, and it has to do with our willingness to embrace the full experience, to embrace the emotions, um, but also to embrace the gift that lies in it mm-hmm. and to really ask yourself that question what's the gift what's the blessing in this hardship in this pain um that's difficult to answer maybe when you're in the, in, at, the at your lowest point but if you continue to ask the question you will find the gift because there always is a gift
1: yeah and and it can be hard because part of you just wants to shove it shove it down shove it away not think about it because the you're worried you're going to be overcome with grief. Um, And then also how society is like, you're talking about like soon after they expect you to be over it or back to work or, you know, put on a brave face. Um, So it can be hard kind of finding a happy medium or finding your resolve or what heals you while still dealing with, you know, the society around you and their expectations.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's true for all experiences in our life that are hard. We always have the choice, you know, whether we suppress it and turn away or whether we turn towards it. And that's something that I'm also like in my work, I'm doing a lot of shadow work with my clients as well. And this is exactly that turning towards where it's hurting, turning towards where I don't want to look at, turning towards the parts of myself that I rather, you know, disown (laughs) and really taking it all back into your heart and really looking at it feeling it um and that's easier with someone else by your side because that's why mentors coaches therapists are so important because you know holding it on your own is so much harder than holding it together
1: yes so for the person that doesn't know what shadow work is can you explain that a little bit
2: yeah so first i have to explain what the shadow is so there is um so as part of our uh when we grow up you know we we've learned very quickly how we how we have to be in order to belong to be loved to um to be acceptable to our environment and this is how our persona forms that is basically kind of a social mask but it's also it's also who we are it's like you know the 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 the, the being that we project out into the world. But this is not all who we are. There is a part that we have learned, you know, certain qualities, and we have learned to suppress. And that that becomes part of our shadow. Um, And um, also emotions, for example, that we have learned to suppress from early on or that were too big to to process or trauma that was too big to process, we have very often learned to suppress, to reject, um, and it's being pushed into our shadow. So the shadow is basically part of who we are but we are not really conscious of it it shows up though it shows up it leaks out it shows up um, in certain reactions it shows up when we in our relationships for example suddenly behave like a five-year-old and you know and wonder where is this coming from so it's like we all know this this situation so it's not like um, that that we don't know it it's just that we don't really want to look at it and want to confront it because it's often very painful to face um, yeah, these parts of yourself. in yeah. shadow work, so yeah, in shadow work is actually to answer your question, shadow work is really turning towards that and taking that on, really looking at it, really looking and for example, a question, maybe that's more practical, a question that you can ask yourself in order to become aware of your shadow is what people trigger you the most. <laughs> what you know how do you not want to be no way you know what is like the worst that anyone could say about you like if you answer these three questions you will get a very clear picture of your channel right and then then it's really about looking at these qualities for example and seeing okay again what's the quality in that like for example let's make it Really, with an example, and it's easier. Let's, yeah, okay. So, let's say um, you definitely don't want to be cruel, right? Um, And then you can ask yourself, okay, cruel. I don't want to be cruel. I'm not cruel. I'm definitely not cruel. Okay, that's fine. But let's say, you know, there's a quality in cruel. What what could that quality be? You know, imagine it like a heater, you know, uh, uh, like a volume. You know, a volume switch, and you 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 turn the volume down on cruel. What lies on that continuum that serve that could serve you in a way to actually become more efficient, to become more whole. So, for example, what are cruel? The question that you can ask yourself, and maybe you want to answer that: What are cruel people really good at? Being mean. <laughs> Yes. And if you go, you know, mean is still a word that many people have difficulties. With. But what what is what is in being mean? So what are mean people really good at?
1: I don't know that this is the answer you're looking for. Like what comes to my head is being defensive, like defending themselves or protecting themselves.
2: Yes, yes, yes. That could be one answer to it. There are many answers to that and depends on who is answering the question. But for you. It means, okay, there's a quality in that cruelty to defend your boundaries, to protect yourself. So there might be something that you struggle with from time to time, you know, not you now, but the person that is, you know, disowning the cruel, mm-hmm. right? So that's something that um, that you could look at, you know, because in all of these qualities, like all of that, all, we are everything. Everything is like potentially part of us, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really... Um, or like, for example, another, another quality that could be cruel is, you know, feeling and living your anger. Like people that are very afraid of being cruel often have disowned their anger as well or their rage for women, especially, you know, you know, you're not a good girl when you're rageful and angry and, you know, throwing things. So we have learned very early on that this is not acceptable. So many of us have disowned their anger. And then later on in life, we wonder why everyone oversteps our boundaries. And, you know, it's kind of why nobody respects uh, who we are. Right. Yeah. And we are always kind and friendly. So no, but that is the moment where you have to wonder, you know, where is my anger? Where is my rage? Because in anger, in aggression, like aggression comes from the word "acridi" in Latin and it, it, it's actually going forward, moving forward. There's a force, there's an energy in it that propels you forward. And it's a very important energy that we need to achieve our goals. So aggression in its purest sense is actually very healthy. If it's not turned against others of course i'm not talking about becoming violent and and aggressive towards you know but it's about knowing about your boundaries protecting your boundaries standing up for your boundaries not only your own but also maybe others
1: yeah so what i what came to mind for me is aggression can seem like it's a masculine energy though and -hmm. i definitely think women need to be able to you know Um, express their anger because it is suppressed. But where does that come into the dynamics um, with the masculine energy, but also being able to express your own feelings or anger? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is something what I call the fierce feminine. And the fierce feminine, as I said, I think it's the answer is very similar to what I said before. The fierce feminine has also an aggression it right like if you think of the i don't know whether you're aware of the indian goddess kali right that there's a very interesting myth um the the myth about durga durga was a, 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 a basically the divine feminine in the indian tradition and she was this beautiful mother goddess and there's this interesting story um where the world has been at the verge of collapse um due to demons that have Taking over the world, and the gods have to watch helplessly as the demons pursue, you know, the the world, uh, the the life of you know of lords and kings, and the 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 lords, uh, the 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 gods have to watch it, and they cannot do anything about it because the demons have made a deal with the highest um, supreme god, god that they cannot be defeated by a male god. So eventually these male gods turn towards Durga and ask her to rise because they understand. So maybe if we cannot defeat the demons, maybe a feminine, you know, female goddess can. And Durga, you know, rises And she said, rise with his eight arms. And, you know, she rides on this lion and, and she, um, you know, is being, you know, the demons try to seduce her. They try to kill her. They try to do everything, but she withstands it all. And then there's this one last battle where it gets really bloody and terrible. And it's being, it's being said that out of her forehead springs Kali and Kali is her fiercest aspect. And Kali slays and slaughters the demons and she drains them of their blood. And eventually, um, when the last demon falls out of the sky, the balance is being restored and Kali returns. There are several endings to to the myth. But uh, why I'm telling that is such an interesting um, story, as I find, because we are in a very similar situation right now. Right. We are living in a time where the world seems to be at the verge of collapse, the demons could be our own egoistic fallacies and you know um, difficulties and and uh, drives and and all of that. And um, now I believe that the the fierce feminine, you know, is exactly what we need now. We need this mother goddess and this fierce aspect of herself that dares to be angry. And there is so many things that are going on in the world right now that deserve to be angry about. I mean, take Afghanistan and what is happening there, like and and you know how how the Western world is abandoning, you know, these people. For me, that is something I can be completely outraged about. And I believe we need a kind of anger and rage for us to really stand up as well and to say stop you know yeah. and especially women I believe have a role to play in that yeah more and than to ever make it,
1: to make a difference in a different way you know because it's been done the masculine way for a long time and where has that gotten us and I'm not I, I'm not trying to like talk smack about men like I love men but I also no. think that women need to be represented as well
2: Yes, absolutely. And I'm also not, you know, saying, you know, now it needs to go into the other extreme. It's not about that. It's a a co-creation with a mature masculine, Um, but it also needs a mature feminine. You know, we need both, we need both forces and we kind of have to join forces in in order to kind of get us out of this mess. And for that women have to really reclaim their power and to also understand that they, that they also co-create by doing nothing. Because that's some something that we often forget, that we constantly manifest and create, whether we are aware of it or not. You know, whether I decide to do something about what is going on in the world or not, I, I'm contributing, be it through my frequency, my mood, my thoughts, everything has creative power in this universe. And um, it's something to be aware of. Yes.
1: And we need women to step up. And to take those leadership roles and be willing to step yes. up and do it our way um, to kind of have the happy medium that you were talking about.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think there have never been there has never been a better time for that because, again, not everywhere. But like in the U.S., in Europe, we have so many opportunities, like also the online space. I believe the online space is really the medium for online entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, mompreneurs like me, you know, that work from home to create to, to create empires and to really influence and impact a lot of people. And it's really about us, how we want to do that, you know, whether we um We, whether we want to use our voice in the one way or the other, you know, it's really, again, about being conscious of what I'm doing, what I'm putting out there, and also how I'm using the opportunities that are given to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important, like you said, to build an empire, but here's what I would love to hear. Um, your feedback on or your perspective on, because I know that you talk about confidence and self-worth and that can be a huge part of taking a leadership role or building an empire. Do you have any tips that
2: you can give us about confidence? Yeah, so confidence is something that, there is a big difference between confidence and self-worth. Confidence is really about that I trust my abilities, right? Um, Self-worth, on the other hand, is really that I'm a good person, yeah. And confidence really comes as I go. It's not, if you wait to be confident before you make your first step, you maybe wait forever. <laughs>
1: I mean, right. Like, talking about uh, earlier. like with the perfectionism, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: absolutely. And That's you know, perfect. the truth is no matter, no matter who you see out there that you might admire, you know, I've worked with so many leaders. and can tell you they all are shit scared. many many times (laughs) and it's not about not being scared anymore or feeling like i have it all figured out you probably won't have it figured out before you start and that's okay because it comes as you go you learn to trust yourself more and into your abilities as you see oh this is working actually you know oh okay Mm, this is how it oh okay maybe i have to adapt a little bit oh this could you know this is how it's felt and the other thing that really plays into building confidence is staying staying um, so following through with what you say you do so for example um, like being really reliable in the sense meaning that if I say I do it I do it you know so that your word is law in a way and that means that if you know that if you say I'm gonna do it you will do it this gives you the most incredible confidence. Because you know, okay, maybe it takes a while, but eventually I will get there, right? Yes. Um, and the other thing about self-worth, self building self-worth is a little more difficult because it's more complex, because it has a lot to do with um, how we have been loved and received and welcomed, you know, by our family of origin, our primary caregivers, and, you know, how we have learned to, to see ourselves. Um, but it's also, you know, it's also something that can be nurtured and built and has a lot to do with self-care and being compassionate with yourself and also seeing that you are inherently worthy. Like it's not something that can be taken away from you, no matter what you do, because the mere fact that you are here on this you know, earth that you're a human being means you're worthy, you know? It's this. It's, it's really an idea, it's a story in our head that makes us believe that we are unworthy for one reason or the other. But in fact, it's really about recognizing, remembering, you know, that, that you are already worthy, that it's all there already. And I really believe it's all there already. Like we are never broken. We are never, we are not a, a problem to be fixed, you know. We are a mystery to be uncovered. That's what we are. And if you start to see yourself that way, you you know, your life becomes magical because it's something that such a different attitude, you know, if you don't see yourself as a problem any longer or a construction site or whatever, you know, like or a mess, you know, it's also It's also about really watching our language because we have so many things and speaking about ourselves that are so um, disempowering. And if you talk about yourself in a more loving way, it also changes your experience on the outside.
1: But then I would also say it helps, like if you can't find your own self-worth or you're not able to peel back the layers, that's where it would help hiring somebody like you or a mentor or a therapist, somebody to help you figure out that if you can't figure it out for yourself
2: absolutely i i really truly believe in the power of having mentors and working with a coach because it's as i said before it's so much easier with you know first of all healing and happens always in relationship it needs relationship do you still hear me because i think my my okay um okay perfect so it always healing needs relationship because when like a trauma happens for example something goes out of relationship so so bringing bringing it back into relationship is a healing movement and so that's why why you know connection like that is important that can also be friends of course you know where you can have deep and profound conversations and everyone who has good friends knows that it can be very healing to have good you know deep growth talk or whatever um but then on the other hand why a professional coach can be helpful is because the person can see you on a level that you cannot see yourself often and to be reminded of your brilliance, of your beauty, of your power and helping you, you know, um, and, and being helped to, to reclaim that part, to take, it, to take it really on, to step into that more, you know, being, a, you know, gently, you know, pushed <laughs> at times, um, but also help in it it can be an incredibly freeing experience, you know, and you suddenly allow yourself to make steps that you didn't dare before. And that's why coaching is so powerful, I believe. And I mean, there are so many different kind of cultures out there and, you know, it depends on how you work and so on. The way I work is very deep. So I'm also really interested in the in the roots of an issue. So I'm not like, I would say I'm more, therapeutic in my approach. Um, but this is uh, due to the fact that I believe that when we really want to expand big time we have to heal our intimacy wounds we have to heal our ancestral wounds that we carry because it's no, not all just mindsets you know Of course it's good to have the right mindset and the right attitude and you know work with your beliefs but this in my experience can only get you so far. And then there's a point where this stops. And then, you know, there's a deeper level to our healing and to our expansion. And that very often has to do with our unconscious desires, with our, you know, um, self-sabotage mechanisms that lie deeper, or even with inherited family trauma that you carry that you're not even aware of, right? And that influences your experience in the here and now, and whether you can have a happy relationship or um, a successful business. So yeah. Yeah. And I I'm think, talking a lot. <laughs>
1: you're, good, you're good. I love it. You have good things to say. Um, but I think there's strength in asking for help. And yeah. most of us need help at some point or another in our life. And maybe it's the masculine energy that thinks um, it's weak to ask for help. But I definitely and I've been to a therapist and had coaches mm-hmm. and mentors, you know, and it has changed my life. And I used to be the person who would be like, nope that's weak but no I mean it is harder and it is work to go through all your emotions and your feelings but like there's so much on the other
2: side of that uh, yeah I totally see that in my life as well like it, mentors have been so essential in my own expansion in my own growth and really coming back home to myself because this is really what it's all about you know yeah. remembering who you are at the core and just living it unapologetically
1: So good, Catherine. So good. (laughs) So let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want.
2: One tip. It's always so difficult for me to (laughs) point it down to one thing. Um, Wow. So now I'm lost for words. Um, (laughs) I think I said so many things already. So For me, it's really... um, About the willingness to look deeper, to really look deeper and to not, to really not give up that there is, you know, if you, if you want something, if you fight for a better life, if you really, you know, desire something different in your life, then just go all in. And by, by that, I mean saying I'm in that for life. I'm not pulling out no matter how long it takes. And no matter what I have to, you know, heal and confront in order to be the best version of myself. But if I look back at the end of my life, I want to say, yes, you know, she did it or he did it, you know, and he gave his all or she gave her all. And yeah, I believe in that. And that's a choice we can make no matter the position or the, the circumstance you are in.
1: Yes, O2 beers, you heard it from Catherine. Go all in on your life. I love it. So Catherine, how can we connect with you?
2: Yes. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to connect on Instagram or Facebook, whatever you prefer. So media channel is you can also visit my website, which is www.womenrising.co. And I also offer um, a couple of programs. I will actually, I'm working on a couple of uh, online programs that will be launched this autumn. And I also launch a new free masterclass very soon. And there are many ways to connect with me. So um, if you want to know more about me or my work, just reach out. It's also easy to just drop an email. I'm actually very conservative in this (laughs) as well.
1: What's your Instagram handle?
2: Women rising underscore CO.
1: Okay, perfect. Catherine, thank you so much. You have been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it.
0: Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast, and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.